I actually, I forgot to tell you. Actually, I think I told you, Dan. I'll go golf lesson, but I'll tell you about that later. I'll tell you about that after the show. I needed it, and I'll tell you what. Better? Oh, I'm going to enjoy really? golf again. I'm actually going to enjoy golf again, which is nice. <laughs> until, uh, until his next three weeks stint. <laughs> <laughs> to start the show, usually we do a little a little banter intro here, but for the listeners, we know, we know last week was just a shambles on this podcast. It was. We were emotional. We, we were speaking over the top of each other. It was it was like it was episode, go back to li- listen to episode two or three again. And all I want to say is on behalf of the three of us, because this is what we do here, unlike our football club, we take accountability and we will produce a better show for you this week. We've had a chat pre-show. We're not, boys? Yep. Yeah, we actually got in bright and early. We did. Just to have a chat about standards on this podcast and the standards that we want to set, not just for ourselves, but for our fans and our supporters and our listeners. And like I said, unlike our football club, we're here to deliver tonight. And we're going to deliver a show of the quality that we know that we can produce and that you know that we can produce for your listening ears for a bit of therapy after the game on the weekend. Are we all on the same page this week, boys? Yep. Yeah. Let's go. I give no credit to this side ever. I give no respect to this side. Ever. John O'Brook, honorary blues brother, Will Hayes. Yes. Mr. Paul Sebastiani, welcome back to the show, mate. This one game is a builder of you know a year's worth of work. That's that's if you think of this performance. And I gave my opinion. <laughs> it's an opinion-based podcast, fair enough. <laughs> welcome everyone to I can't believe I'm about to say this number. Episode 90 of the Almost Blues Brothers podcast brought to you by PR Health and Performance and proudly powered by the Blue Broad Podcast Network and YouTube channel. If you are new, welcome. If you are returning, welcome back. Like I said off the top, you're going to get a show tonight of genuine Almost Blues Brothers quality. We let you down last week. We heard the feedback and tonight we're ready to go. And I'm not saying we're ready to go by unleashing. There's going to be a little, little bit of that. But you're going to get some quality content tonight. Before we get into it, boys, outside of footy, how are we? It's Mother's Day, isn't it? So just spreading the love, I guess, <laughs> as much as possible after a pretty disappointing Saturday night. Spreading Your? the love to uh, one mother, yes? Well, yeah. <laughs> well, it depends. Some might have, you know, more. True. That's that yeah. is true. That's that's a good point, Jules. Fair enough. That's, that's true. very true. Fair enough. Or grandmothers and you know aunts, etc. Or great grandmothers, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So happy I Mother's think, Day for all the mothers out there. I was about to say. I think what Jules was trying to say is happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. <laughs> out there. Dan, how was your weekend? I had a um, first time experience, boys, on the weekend. An enjoyable one. Hold on. G rated. <laughs> Yeah, I was about to say PG. No, no, G-rated. We're keeping it G. I did VR, virtual reality, um, the at uh, zero latency in South Melbourne. One of the best things I've ever done. Well, maybe not ever. I've done some good stuff in my life, but it was fun. Well, it was so. fun. Honestly, it was unreal. Um, I recommend, boys, I think we should do it. Definitely. It, I was... 
I felt like I was in Call of Duty. <laughs> Gavin. <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, no, good. You're telling us about a pre-show, and you've actually you've you've hyped it up that much that I think I'm actually I'm actually keen to get down there. To be honest, can I show the listeners how my movement with the with the with the AK? Make it quick. So I was here, and we had to. <laughs> it was just all stealth, boys. <laughs> I felt like I've been moving even for dinner. Lauren called me in, and I've just gone down like this and got down <laughs> to the table. This is quality content, like we're, like we're trying to tell you off the top. <laughs> this that was Pov pre-show. Yeah, yeah, it was. He, he did that. Yeah, exactly for about five minutes. Um, if you are new and you haven't already, follow us on Instagram at Almost Blues Brothers and on Twitter at Almost Blues Bros. And while you're here, like and subscribe to the Blue Broad YouTube channel. It does help out this community immensely, and it helps us to keep bringing you content week to week. We've got a big show tonight. Um, we've got a lot to break down from that game over the weekend. I still don't know how I feel. Obviously disappointed that we couldn't get the four points, and I think we all are. But I don't know. I don't really know where we stand uh, at the moment. And I said on Twitter during the week, and I said it wasn't on behalf of you boys, but it is It is my take. I'm not overreacting until the end of the Essendon game in four weeks' time. This is a five-week block where we need to take two wins, plain and simple. If we get those two wins, 6-1 six, and 6, the reality is that's just where we're at. And that's what we should be. That's that's where we should be at the end of round thirteen, at a minimum, so we can uh, so we can launch in the second half of the season into a finals campaign. So I am going to do my best not to get too emotional over the next four weeks and emotionally reactive to anything. I can't promise next week if we lose to Collingwood that that's going to happen. But uh, tonight I'll be measured. I know the boys are going to be me- as measured as possible. We've already had a chat pre-show, so I'm looking. Oh, Dan might not be. All right, Dan shaking his head. <laughs> I'm he might be ready to rip. We'll see what we can do. We let it rip enough last week. I know everyone's everyone in the comments there is wanting us to just go ham on 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 the boys. Are you surprised? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, is anyone surprised of of the the shit that we were that we watched, especially that first quarter? But um, anyway, Joe, let's get into it. Well, we'll dissect. I think we are, aren't we? I mean, okay, no. that. Well, let's, yeah, we've got to do this because we've done it. If, and, and just by the way, 90 episodes, like we're in the 90s now. We are charging yeah. towards 100 at this point. And uh, that live show, well, that live show that we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, that is well and truly underway. So if you're a listener or a watcher, keep your eyes and ears peeled because uh, there'll be an announcement in the next month or so about what's going on for the 100th ep. But for tonight, without any further ado, let's get into it. All right, like I said, we've got a fair bit to talk about. Um, now, match report, uh, final scores uh, at the very least while I let this load. Anyway, final. I'm not going to go through the goal kickers. Who cares? Uh, final scores, Bulldogs beat the Blues by 20, 11-13-79 to Carlton, 8-11-59. Um, now, before we start dissecting it, Dan and I were not able to make the game. On Saturday, it's the first game I've missed for the season, a home game. Jules, you were there. 
We're going to touch on this a little bit later as well, but I want to ask you first, how was the atmosphere this week after last week's walkout, after last week's uh, drubbing, and and obviously a few nervous and upset supporters on social media and whatnot in the lead-up to this? Um, I know we're going to touch on a lot more later in the show, obviously previewing the pies. Um, but, mate, from the, the first half, it was pretty... It's pretty quiet, to be fair, other than some controversial calls from the umpires. And, you know, when the balls around the vicinity, I sort of felt a little bit of um, um, a little bit of noise, particularly from the people around me. Um, but other than that, from around the ground, when the ball is the opposite side or anything like that, there wasn't a much of a buzz. I feel like as if it's been coming, particularly over the last four, you know, three to four weeks as well. Um, so I think probably five, 10 minutes in to the third when Carlton sort of, got going at least. Um, then there was a buzz around the crowds and then obviously, you know, died died late from from the Carlton faithful. But um, yeah, there wasn't that real electric atmosphere, um, which I missed anyway, particularly the first half of last year, um, you know, compared to what you had. So um, I was hoping for something different. Didn't really, didn't really get it. I think, to be honest with you, I think as supporters, I think we are very loyal and patient. I think you, you, the play, the players need to give us something to cheer for. You know, Jules, you, you're talking about that first half and the atmosphere was lacklustre. What was there to say? You know, we're we're always there standing by our, our our team, but when it's like that, how much can you how much can you take? You know? Yeah, and I feel like as if as supporters, particularly the fan base, everyone I spoke to, it was we're waiting for that first con uh, that first contest, that first kick inside forward 50, that first exit from D50, whether we're going to connect and whatnot. And, um, you know, when you see acres get the ball turnover, um, trying to exit D50 and then conceding a goal from that turnover. And then moments later, weed is sort of winning a, you know, relatively pretty convincing one-on-one contest that he probably should have won. Um, cause he did have body, um, you know, and sort of lost that there, and then Norden kicked the kicks that goal as well. It sort of deflates, you know, obviously the players, but the supporters as well. You know, we're there trying to cheer, cheer, cheer on. Um, you know, there's eighty seven thousand plus. The club's obviously targeting a hundred thousand. Um, yeah, the players need to bring more. Dan, uh, for me, I, it was it was actually nice watching it from home, uh, considering it was a home game. Obviously, we watch away games at home and whatnot, but. Not not going this week uh, did lift a little bit of stress off, not having to deal with what if we lose and get into the ground and all that sort of stuff. And it was nice. I'm, I'm not saying I'm going to get used to it, but it was nice. But the, the the other thing as part of that, and this is what I want to get your perspective of, how did it look on TV for you? Um, let's not break it down between the two halves because obviously for us, it was it was a game of genuinely two halves. Um for, for the Blues on on Saturday, um, but overall, how how was it for you watching it on TV after what we spoke about last week? After knowing all of the flaws that we see in in the flesh, how'd you feel personally? Well, first of all, boys, I didn't have to pop two panadols because I thought I was going to have an aneurysm like when I'm at the game. Um, but but honestly, for me, it solidified a lot of what. I was saying and what I've been sort of saying for for a lot of the year is that the you know it's just basic skill errors and decision making and from when I when you watch it on TV 
honestly, like it's clear as day, clear as day. Like, and we talk about scoreboard pressure and taking your chances. Like when you're watching it like that, obviously, Jules, you saw the same being there, but you can genuinely see the errors and and there's clear, clear, clear errors in in decision-making and skill. Um, And that's what cost us. That's, that's for me, that was the biggest thing um, that obviously watching it from home, I could really, you know, because you sort of look at it in the heat of the game and you miss moments, but when it's there and they're showing replays of poor skill, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, yeah. I feel like, I feel like as if even the, you know, when Makai is going back with um, a set shot and he's got looking to snap, um, obviously even Motlop, uh, Walsh obviously didn't convert. He didn't snap it though. Um, and then you got Cripps going for a snap on his opposite side of the foot. You can sort of feel the the nerves and the hesitation around not only the players, but the, the supporters as well. So, um, you know, obviously it's, it's just the conviction there. The, yeah, go down. Sorry, Joe. Just to point, just to add on to that, I'll tell you what was clear as day um, was seeing the way through our turnover and through you know the way we're going inside fifty, for example, the way then they were able to then rebound off and slingshot off halfback. That that for me, like you looked at the disposal count, and their top three, top four disposal getters were were Ed Richards. Johannesson and uh, Williams, Bailey Williams. Like, what does that tell you? You know? Mm-hmm. That's yeah, that's that yeah. For me, our pressure inside forward 50 was pretty bad. I think I feel like as if it's been pretty bad over the course of the season, to be fair. Um, I think with likes I think from the our stat, I think the stat in either the second quarter or at halftime or something was that we were plus 26 or something in contested possession. But we're minus forty something in uncontested possession, and you could just see it. Like we gave yeah. the ball, and this is you know it's what we spoke about last week. Like these are basic, basic, basic skill errors from play from like good players, like players that we know can handle a football. Like I'm talking Jacob Weedering again. I'm talking Blake Acres, who he's not a hack by any means. At, at Fremantle, he was one of the more respected players. In, in that list is what I've been told and the understanding there. And it, and it was because of his two-way running. It was because of his ball use. And it was because he wasn't a, a genuine hack. Like, and and they're just two that I've named, but it was it was rife throughout the whole group in that first half. And and ultimately, I've seen some commentary, and this is, you know, this is probably where, how we're going to break it down tonight. And we'll talk about the first half to begin with because that's where the game was lost. Like it was exciting to watch us come back and actually show some grit and determination, which we'll talk about in a minute. But you can't kick one goal to half time and have four set routine set shots that didn't register even a behind in a, in a half of football and expect to win a game. Like if we had won skill. that game, if we had exactly if we had won that game, it would have been highway robbery on our end. Um, and this is where, yeah, let's let's talk about let's talk about the skill errors because. And the and the way we're kicking, Jules. I know that for three of those set shots in the second quarter, I think it was, you were before we get onto the skill errors because I know why you just put your hand up. Um, yep. I think for those set shots first, you were at that end of the ground. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Could you see like it? You on TV, we could see the hesitation on on Cripps, Motlop, and and Harry's face. Harry was in the first quarter, but Cripps and Motlop, and it's like, I don't know. You're 15, 20 meters out, just nail a set shot like the dogs were doing. How hard is it? Yeah, I mean, when you got the likes of, you know, like always, for example, um, 
I think yeah, he's had from memory. I think he's had like six or seven set shots this year, and he's, he's converted every single one of them. He's a dead eye. Um, that's because he's he's trained, you know, and he was a basketballer. So coming off of obviously a basketball background, being in the US, um, I think he probably, I think from memory, he did play a little bit of junior footy as well, but obviously not playing in a professional environment, um, not until, you know, his early 20s at the Carlton Football Club. And you could just see his composure and his, and his routine. And it's very, very repetitive. Um, I don't feel like as if some of the other players would have that. Charlie's a little bit different. He sort of goes off instinct. You can sort of see. Um, but Harry in particular, he doesn't really know. He's very hesitant. Um, Cripps, uh, much the same, to, to be fair. Um, even Mott. So, but you could just, I feel like as if when you, when the players are hesitant, you can see it in the crowd, you know, and, and they feed off it, you know. So I feel like as if, yeah, needs to be a lot, a lot of work to be done there. Yeah, but people are saying that, People, sorry, Joe. People are saying that there's pressure because of the immense pressure from the crowd. That's why they're missing those set shots. I'm sorry, that's not. Embrace it. I can't be hearing that. That's your yeah, job. Embrace. That okay. is your job, plain and embrace. simple. I can't be seeing an unregistered score off uh, off a set shot twenty meters out. Not four in, a, times. in a game where in a game in any game, but especially against the dogs. Where personally, boys, I don't rate them. I, I really, I do not. I did not rate the Bulldogs. I don't. And in a game where scoreboard pressure in AFL, it's massive. And we can't even register a score. Like, yeah. What in the end, just, we, we went at what one goal five or one goal four in, in a half of footy with four extra shots. So it's, I think we had 29 in entries. We, only, we went at like 30, well, not even in terms of efficiency inside the first half. But if you had those shots and actually converted at least the point, then we're only going at like what 30 odd percent. More. Well, actually more because it would have been – well, yeah, actually, yeah, you're right, 29, 10. Yeah, it's yeah. about – it would have been about 40%. But that's still not as bad as as what we've seen in this season yeah, across multiple games. Just quickly, uh, shout out to the Boozhound, $5 donation to the show. Thank you very much, mate. He says he lost interest well before we mounted the comeback and had zero faith that it was going to stick through till the final siren, and that's what he believes is scary is that we've got no belief that we can actually um, stick through. And that's – and. Yeah, you know, we'll talk about the second half in a minute, but it's true. Like, I don't know. I never actually, as excited as I was to see us, you know, find that extra gear to stay in the fight, I never actually believed that we'd win that game deep down. I really didn't. I really didn't. Um, yeah. That first half, you, as a football club, as a professional club, you cannot, you cannot afford to have those skill errors. And Jules, I'm actually going to throw it to you here through – because um, we're talking about efficiency. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to throw it to you in this Casano's calcs because I feel like this ties in. All right, so just looking obviously at efficiency um, by foot or by hand. Um, so in the first half, we we're going at 63%. Um, by the end of the game, we we're going at 69%. So roughly in the second half, we we're going at 75%. Okay, the dogs went at 76% at the final siren. Um, and at some stages by foot, they were going at like 86, 87%. 
as well, which I did see on the scoreboard. Um, so just keep that, you know, in mind. Um, yeah, I feel like as if it sort of tells a tale as well, obviously looking at the scoreboard, even in terms of goals, I think what we kicked one goal on the side in the first half and we kicked seven, um, probably in a quarter and a half to, to be fair. So, you know, obviously the skill level there, a bit of connection, but I feel like as if even, you know, obviously we're going to talk about the second half very shortly. I feel like as if, because we're down by 30 odd points, which I think it reached at some point, um, yep. going into the third quarter, um, it sort of allows us to, I hate to say it cause I don't think it should happen, but it sort of allows it allows us to release the shackles a little bit. Um, when, when, we're not under that pressure where it's like, we need to, we win. Cause we're sort of like almost down and out, I feel. Mm. Um, and I feel like as if even last week against Brisbane, it's sort of very similar, very similar. Thoughts? And well, Dan, we, you and I, uh, you, you texted me, uh, in very, very early in the game when, uh, I think we all saw how poor we were and Jules has made the point of it. We're going at 63% in that first half and that's just not good enough. That's not up to AFL standard. Uh, is this now, you know, we spoke last week quite heatedly and quite extensively about players versus coaches and Jules, I know that you're, you're in the camp that it's a, you're strongly in the camp that it's a balance of both, but it's up to the coaches to fix these things before the playing group. But Dan, uh, you know, how how much of how much of that first half can we seriously put down to coaching? Really? Well, that's that's why I message you in frustration because it, you know, like I said to you earlier, for me, there's nothing to overanalyze in this game that we've just watched. It's it's clear as day. As to, and I don't actually boys think that we found another gear. I just think we cleaned up the shit that we we're doing wrong in the first quarter and uh, or a half of footy. Honestly, like I think at the end of the day, they were getting they were getting their scoring opportunities and they were getting inside fifty because we we're going at something stupid like forty one percent by the first quarter, and now and now we're going at a kicking efficiency of eighty something. Like you know, they converted, we didn't. Then we start always always goal was massive. And the way the bloke celebrated to the crowd, that that got that started to get me G'd. Okay. But the fact that that and that's what I'm trying to say about the importance of taking your fucking opportunities, boys. And that's and yeah. that's what it was. It wasn't, it was nothing to do with finding another gear because I felt as though we we're playing in a way that was trying to be more positive. It's just we didn't execute because we were looking at the corridor. We were looking to move the ball quicker. We're taking big pack, uh, big marks down the line. We're getting the ball inside 50. Yeah, and the, all right, the entries weren't that good, but, you know, Walsh is finding people. We just weren't converting. It's simple. Yeah, I feel like as if in the second half we were going more aggressive, though, particularly by hand, like through the corridor. There's a few passages of play where it's like, okay, you know, this was back to the ball movement that I saw in the first half of the year um, last year. So, look, I feel because like of as confidence. if Sorry, yeah, well, obviously, obviously, when you're moving the ball constantly, and that's just like it comes, you know, second nature, and um, and it's working. And then even if it's not working, because you're such in a you know a positive, you know, and you've got a lot of momentum going forward, even on the defensive mode of the game, you still have that there as well. Like you have that same mindset, that same intent. You know, I feel like as if our boys need need that sort of type of behaviors. I watched. A passage of play. I actually rewatched the game, to be honest with you, boys. I did. I had to watch it again. I watched, and you talk about, and you're right, 
that yes, we were a lot more positive and we were moving the ball quicker in the second half. Obviously, naturally with confidence, you're going to get that. But I watched the passage of play where we got it off. I think it was our defensive 50. Chain of handballs. Cotter's had the ball in the end of it and then hit up. Uh, I can't remember now who it was. I think it was Durden. Durds. Yep. Didn't convert. No, I think Durds did convert. Oh, sorry. It was Walsh. Yeah, Durds, Walsh right. didn't convert. Oh, Someone. Are you, are, you, are you talking about in the first half, Dan? In the first half. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. And that was the one that Walsh scrubbed. Yeah. The movement was positive, And we yeah. were seeing that time and time again. It's not like we weren't. Okay? But we just weren't converting. If we had it gone and, and we were three goals six or four goals six, you'd be talking about that first half very differently. I, I tend to agree because I actually – I remember at halftime I turned to dad, my dad, uh, who was watching it with me, and I said, yeah, we're playing slow, we're playing methodical, it's the same sort of game style. But those four misses really, really hurt in terms of the perception of how we played in that first half because I actually don't think we're that bad. Defensively, we had them locked down for the majority of that half, like had them on lock. They, they scored 28 points to halftime. That's a really good defensive effort transition-wise, everything, right? So I feel like everything was actually working to an extent in that first half. The turnovers were terrible um, and resulted in, you know, two or three direct goals. But I feel like the game plan, which we now know is that slow, methodical style that Voss is trying to employ, I actually think it worked. And we were able to work our way through their defensive zone a few times and get into scoring opportunities. The problem was, like you said, Dan, and like, like, like you were talking about, pre-show jewels where you were just scratching your head as to why these players were making the decisions to go for snaps on their set shot. When we were there at the final kick, I watched the Bulldogs go up the other end and have two chances. I think it was in the, in the second quarter, two set shots and they nailed them both. They went back and they nailed them. And it's like, if we convert two of our chances, we're staying with them and it's not as dire as what it looks. And then we come out in the second half with all that energy and we actually probably run over the top of them. The problem was, and I'm with you, I'm actually with you, Dan. We couldn't finish our work. We actually had some good work in that first half. And I was, I was, I was, I was positive going into halftime, knowing that if we had have just started converting, we'd get ourselves back into the game, which we did. We did. Jules. It's actually pretty um it's weird. Even last week, um, we had less turnovers against Brisbane. We got less turnovers again. It's yeah. just the moments in the game and, and positions where positions on the ground where we actually do turn the ball over, it's actually hurting us going the other yeah. way. We speak about this slow, methodical game style versus the run and gun as well, right? So a lot of the commentary around the second half has been when we play that run and gun style with a bit of freedom and whatnot, we play better and we're a better side and whatnot. We still lost the second half by two points. It's not like we won the half. Like we got our noses in front, but it didn't hold up for the last six minutes when we needed it to. Where that slow, methodical style might have actually you know, with that possession in hand and, and keeping possession and keeping the ball off the opposition might have actually held us in, in better stead if we could get that balance right a lot quicker towards the end of the game. Problem was, we're already so full of confidence, we're already so G'd, and that part of the game was put to the side after half time that we couldn't we couldn't find a way to slow the game down when we needed to. So I get it. We look we definitely look better when we play with freedom, but like we talk about, like a lot of people talk about when it comes with the, to Collingwood, they live and die by the sword. Like, that's not always – and we saw it against Brisbane. It didn't work for them against Brisbane. Where they were running gun all game, they couldn't get back into it. They've actually balanced out their ball movement as, as well the last few weeks. And we'll talk about the pies at the end of this because we've got a preview coming up. But this is where I still feel like we're lacking that, 
that balance. I feel like this layer that Voss is trying to add that he spoke about last year where he wants to add layers to the game plan is just coming in now. So it's going to take time for this group to get it and to gel. But yeah. I, I feel like it's 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 going to hold us in good stead for longer periods to be able to play that way. Jules? Just talking about a forwards, um, like Charlie and Harry in particular, um, don't you feel like as if we should be getting in there quicker than what we are though? Like, wouldn't wouldn't you want like for me if I'm if I'm the coach of Carlton Football Club, um, I want to get in there quick as possible so they're playing against one v ones. Don't you think that that'd be a better case scenario than you know this slow more um, you know tight ball movement? Well, the thing is, it, it it probably isn't because it allows time for. So with the slow ball movement, it allows time for the opposition to set their rest defense right, which allows them to clog the 50 we've got two superstars and i don't care what you say about harry he's shown that he's a superstar of the competition in the air that can mark a ball so yeah you've got the option to go long to a pack and hopefully they bring it down or bring it to grumpy smalls or the other thing that we're not seeing as part of this that we've spoken about as well that uh, that we saw actually saw a couple of times saw hollands do it with owies where he hit him uh, a nice little 15 20 meter kick that hit hit owies to get us going in the second half is those little 15 20 meter kicks inside 50 when you're building up play yeah. And I feel I, like if we can if we can execute that, that slow game style and that build-up is actually going to look a lot better. We just haven't been able to put that last kick together. And you, you just said it yourself, Jules. We're not actually turning the ball over more than the opposition. It's how we're turning it over and when we're turning yeah. it over. That's I think even Michael Chedavolo, Ch- sorry, sorry, how you pronounce it? Chedavolo. Um, yeah, yeah he, he, said, he said it himself, like we can't defend when we play fast. I actually For agree. Sure. Like if you look at the stats – I feel like as you're hearing our slow ball movement, it sort of protects us defensively. Which I think well, we need because we don't have players that can spread, Dan. Yeah, you're right. You're definitely right in that point where if we move too fast, but it's all it's work rate as well. Like I watched I watched the ball go inside 50. Johannesson's picked it up, and Harry's just stood there watching. He's actually just stood and let him and let him just exit D50. Like that there, that's inexcusable in my mind, you yeah. know? So purely for me, I think a lot of it comes down to the players that you can see that they're, they're second guessing. Yeah, They're second yeah. guessing as a lot. And that one to two second delay is the difference between the first option that you thought you had is now not an option. Then you got to go for something different. Then you start to panic because there's more pressure around you. I just see a lot of panic, a lot of panic at times. You know, yeah. I, personally for me, I'd like, I think the contested game, you can see we beat teams uh, from a contested standpoint. Yeah. Uh, you can see that we win clearances. I, I just think that, I think we need to get inside 50 in those instances in any way possible. And I think we need to go back to regardless whether Harry, Charlie, whoever takes a mark, when the ball spills to ground, go like a ravaged bull and try to lock that thing inside 50, because then we can go to work again at a stoppage. We're good. Look at Hewitt's goal. Look at Hewitt's goal. Yeah. I mean, you know? yeah. Do you think we have, I mean, I think we've got the players to be able to do it, but, you know, the likes of Always Dirt and Motlop and the like, do you hate, how do you rate their performances over the course of the season in terms of that locking the ball inside forward 50? So let's let's talk about Always first, because we've genuinely missed him, I think, since that, Injury in uh, round four against the Giants or round three, whenever it was. Um, <clears throat> I think. I think what I think I think what this group 
misses, and we're talking about this pre-show as well, is uh, uh, players in that middle to bottom six bracket that just play with heart and just bring it every week, just bring effort, bring intensity. There's nothing flash. They can just execute. And the two players in Matt always, and even Matt Kennedy, the three that we brought in, the three Matts that we brought in this week, they actually all bring that every single week. It's nothing flash, just all grunt, all brute, all, all, all run and carry, whatever you need. And they'll play the role that you need them to play. And I think, I think, I think, with those three in the side, particularly Cottrell and Owies, we will be a better side for it this season. For me, those two can't leave. And if you want to talk about the small forwards, Jules and Matt Owies, I think he's our best small forward that we've got. Oh, I agree 100%. But the other two, I don't know if their output, both from a goal standpoint and a pressure standpoint, is at where it should be. And especially like, there's sometimes you go inside forward 50 and, mate, the ball hits the ground. Harry and Charlie have done their work. They're nowhere to be seen. Dan? I think at their best, if I'm honest, those three there are dangerous. Okay, I I actually had Mots on the chopping block this week. I was I was that close, but then I looked at it again, and in the third and fourth quarter, he made two massive tackles out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. He run down two players, and that that's game changing. That that type of shit. If anything, boys, I have the biggest question mark over Jasos at the moment. That's that's yep. my uh, my honesty. I think in that forward fifty in that in our forward structure, I don't really know what I don't, I don't know. He's 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 integral at the moment because he pinch hits for Pito and that, but he's doing fuck all, in my opinion. And this is for a guy that we all like because he's he's you know he plays with heart like we speak about. But I'm sorry when you're a liability, yeah. Uh, I think we mentioned this a few weeks back, but I think his spot is up for grabs for TDK. I think I, I don't I think, think so. I, I thought I honestly thought, and I'll put my hand up. I thought we could play all three with those two and Pitto in the same side all season, and I don't think that can work now. And I honestly think the TDK and Jasos um, they they should battle it out for that third tall pinch hit position. And I, to be honest, I think you're right. The only thing with with Jack. That sort of gets him over the line for me is his follow-up work. And if you go back and have a look at some of the center clearances and stoppage work around the ground that he attended against English, he was brilliant. He was brilliant. He's, his second effort to get to the footy and help out the other three or four midfielders at his feet <clears throat> and then get out of traffic or get a, a quick handball out or a, or a quick hack kick just to get it forward, especially in that second half, was, was, was very good. It's a hard role to play, that third tall. It really is, especially behind... Charlie and Harry, two absolute superstar power forwards. So I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's ever gonna stand out. Um, it's just whether or not you you value that effort work that he brings. Because really, it's the only it's the only defining characteristic of Jack. If we're being honest, is his is his effort and his football yeah. smarts. So I think him and him and TDK definitely definitely battle it out for for that third tall spot. Um, let's talk about the second half. Obviously, look, it was exciting. And Jules, you're at the ground. Uh, I don't know. Like, I'm sure the atmosphere picked up. No, well, it changed dramatically after you know the first five ten minutes. Um, you know, but in the end, you know, we sort of had that uplift from the players. Um, you got it from the crowd, but then you know the last six seven minutes was you know sort of in a sort of back hit back reality back to reality. To be honest, Dan, were you ever 
I'm sure you would have been excited to say he's coming back, but were you ever convinced deep down that we were going to win that game after kicking one goal in the first half? I think, no, no, no. When they blew it out to 30-something points, I didn't think we were going to come back. I Not to say that, I think just purely the margin and the lack of confidence from previous weeks, I didn't think that we were going to claw it back to what we did. Um, I actually, I did get very excited, hence why I think I had a bad... I just was pretty angry after the game because then it did give me enough belief that I thought we we're going to run over the top of them. And then once again, lapses in concentration at the end, you see Ugel Hagen unmarked, 10 metres out from goal. Like, and then and then it just depleted me again, boys. That that type of shit just, I, I can't handle it, honestly. Yeah, I feel like as if the last six, seven minutes, we sort of, we did, we lacked a lot of footy experience and footy IQ. You know, they rolled up, I think for one goal, they rolled up um, Waitman. And they were doing it um, a lot of the night through McRae as well. Um, they rolled up Waitman. I think it was Newman played spare behind the ball. Um, Waitman was able to receive and then obviously get the ball out um, and receive it again to handball it to... What was his name? I can't remember the Bulldogs Porter player, sorry, who actually kicked the goal, one of the goals or one of the late goals. So, yeah, I feel like as if we did lack a lot of experience and a lot of footy smarts in the last six, seven minutes. I'll tell you something, boys. Do you want to know my thought, what my exact thoughts were? There was five minutes to go or six minutes to go. Game was genuinely in the balance. It was, I think we're up by a point. And I said to myself, this is where I'll know if we've learned from last year when in big moments we need to keep our composure and see the game off, e.g. Mm. against the Pies, etc. And I watched three clear, uh, three centre bounce clearances, one by the Dogs, that mm. led to direct, direct um, score opportunities. And and that's what and you know and in moments where we needed big players, they just didn't step up again. We just stopped. Was, I'm pretty sure Bailey did. Smith. It was Smith. Smith won two clearances out of the middle. Yeah, he killed us. Yeah, he, he killed, killed us. us. But it was the last five. Yeah, We've been all us. over him. We've been <laughs> all over him in that regard all game. We needed to win the center. We needed to win the middle to get the ball inside 50, to lock it in, potentially score another goal, whatever it might have been. And in the end, we saw it happen. Yeah, look, it was – you know what? I was – Obviously, I'm I'm pissed off that we've lost four points because those four points against that's I hate saying it because it's a cliche, but that could be an eight point game come the end of the season. Where if the dogs creep in ahead of us, then you know we're going to be looking at back at this game and going, it could it could be the one that kills us. But and and it, it, I'm pissed off that we couldn't get it done in the end. But in reality, that game, like I said off the top, would have been highway robbery if we got away with it because we were nowhere for two and a half quarters. And you can't play a quarter of footy and expect to win a game. Plain and simple. What I was excited about and what has me a bit more positive this week than in previous weeks after a loss is that we finally saw a little bit of determination, a little bit of grit, a little bit of guts from this side when their backs were against the wall. And they took the game on. They let it all they, – they left it – they honestly left it all out there after that first half to make sure that they – not only like had a chance to win, but just just kept themselves in the fight. And they didn't go into their shells. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't continue to turn the ball over. They smartened up. They woke up and they started executing. But and it Joe, gives me a bit of it gives me hold on Dan. It gives me a bit of positivity that if we can do that earlier, 
especially in that first half where we're missing regulation set shots and not even register, registering a score, it gives us a chance. We're not a we're not we're not the worst football team in this league. We look like it sometimes, but we're not. We know what they're capable of. They know what they're capable of. They're down on confidence immensely at the moment. And I'm just hoping that that little patch that we had reminds a few of them of, oh, like, fuck, we can we can put some teams away pretty quickly like we have in the past still. That's all. That's the only positive that I took from that second half. I, I agree with you for sure, but I'm not in the camp that we should be finally now seeing that this playing group can have a little bit of grit and determination and effort and in, do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah. now we're finally seeing it. What? Like, it, it should be there. I, I'm sorry to put a damper on it, Joe, but that's my reality. My yeah. reality is now that we're out of top eight yeah. because now we're starting to show that we can claw ourselves back in some way in a game. We didn't win the game. We're out of the top eight. Yeah. We're probably where we actually are and probably should be, nine yeah, to ten. I- Tend to agree. Tend to agree. Probably probably is a good reflection of how we played. Um, okay. We are we're gonna get into some some blues cues here, I think. Um, because this should lead us into I guess the next bit of conversation uh, uh that I want to touch on. Um, but if you are watching live, leave your questions in the comments and we'll try and get to a few of them if we can. I'll put out the blues cues on Instagram after the game. Uh, last night, and we'll start there. Um, Dbal ninety says Owies and Cotters were terrific ins after good performances in the twos. Surely Dow could be in next. I don't know. I haven't watched enough of Dow lately, but um, he's obviously missed out for a reason. Yeah. Jules, yeah, me personally, I just don't see that happening. Um, I think Owies and Cotters that was inevitable. To be fair, I think Owies had. Um, good form particularly the first half of the or sorry first few games until he was out because obviously due to injury um and then Cody's obviously been um particularly last year was more of a mainstay as well um you know and obviously has that effort that that pace around the ball as well or out, outside the contest and he really brought it um on Saturday night so I feel like he offers us a little bit more of an outlet as well but Dow I just don't see it I don't see it boys yeah, yeah well said oh, I'm the same I'm in the same camp as for me, no. I've got a he's few. Not, got a few. He's not the player. Sorry, Joe. He's not the player yeah. that's going to offer you pace. Yeah, so I don't think I don't think Dow is going to offer us anything that we actually need at the moment, which is foot skills and footy IQ. And I don't think he's going to. I don't think he's going to bring it. Agree, one hundred percent. Can I ask you, boys, Joe? Before we go on to the next question, yeah. I think we've actually got a big, and whether we adapt potentially the way in which we are playing a little bit, because I think there's an issue with Cripper. And teams now starting to realize, or not starting to, they know, but he's essentially becoming defensively or when we lose the ball and turnover liability because he just can't move. Yep. The dogs, the dogs flew past us, boys. Yeah, they did. They did. Honestly, they did. And it was a man down, you know? Yeah. No, I, I tend to agree. I tend to agree. Well, it depends who they play on him and what kind of matchup you you get on him. I know, like a lot of the center bounces had like Bally Smith on him. They had a, a, a player that had a bit of pace, so it, they got away from him. They did, particularly not around the stoppages, but outside the stoppages, they definitely did. I've got a few here that I'm going to just roll into one because it's about one player, and I'll, I do want to talk about him real quick. So Daniel Lotteret says, "Why do we play Charlie and Harry at the half forward line and not one of them deep?" Josh Lofts, 
Uh, sorry, Basic Magic says, is Harry okay? He's a shadow of his former self. Seriously worried about him. The Boozhound asks, will Mackay ever get dropped? Um, and I think there was one more that I missed. Uh, Luke Polglay says, does Harry need a spell? Feels like he's turning into Caswell before our eyes. I want to talk about Harry just real quick. So I actually think I actually think that they are playing one deep uh, all the time and one higher up the ground. And I think it's the way that we actually need to play him because we can't sit here and go, I'll play him both deep. And then on the next podcast, we go, well, they play them both of them deep. They'll get both going up for the same ball, this and that. You need to have one a little bit further up the ground. I think we've we've actually established that. That's what we want to see. And I think it's I think it's it's good to see them trying that. I actually think Harry is executing that role really well. I think I think he's copped some really harsh criticism on his goal kicking, and that's lent itself to harsh criticism in an area of his game that actually shouldn't be lamented and shouldn't be harshly criticized at this point because his role higher up the ground, taking marks on a half forward flank or, or on a half back flank coming out of a kick in or on a wing and moving the ball quickly into the corridor or hitting up a, a target inside 50. I actually think he's playing that role really well. I think for Harry, if he fixes his goal kicking when he gets the chances, because he doesn't need to kick four or five a game anymore for us with Charlie down there in the smalls that we've got. He just doesn't. If he averages two, three goals a game each week, when he gets his chances, because that's the problem at the moment, if he can fix that part of his game, the talk about Harry goes away. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Yeah, Guilty. I I I um I've just got this I've just got this thought that Harry wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind him playing closer to goal, to be fair, particularly with his field kicking the way it is. Um, and his goal kicking the way it is. And what I mean by that is a lot of his set shots are sort of around the arc. He doesn't really get those shots that are in or, in and around the 20-meter arc from goal. Um, and I actually prefer maybe um, Charlie playing a little bit further up up the ground. Um, a, because of his aerobic capacity. I feel like as if he's got it in to run it, run out, um, you know, a center half back off the ground, to be fair. And not only that, his foot skills. There was times, um, there was one kick, I think it was last quarter, he picked the ball up or marked the ball from in and around D50, more or less, on the wing, and put this fucking ball straight through the throat of, I can't remember the Carlton player because it's on the opposite side of, side of the ground. But I just feel like as if he'll, he'll just improve our ball movement purely based off who he is, to be fair. And I feel like as if it doesn't have to be the whole game, but I wouldn't mind them rotating a lot more, to be fair. I feel like as if with Harry being predominantly up the ground, I don't think it's doing him any good either. It's 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 fair, Jules. I, I think that's fair. And I think it was spoken about during the week, even on Fox Footy, where they were saying that I think Charlie Kerno with his field kicking is the second most damaging player in the comp at the moment behind Jeremy Kerno. Yeah, they did say that. We've got a weapon yeah. at our disposal if we want to. I wouldn't mind us still trying it the way we're going because I still think Harry's playing a good role and Charlie deep is a problem. He's a genuine problem for de like for defenders. He Don't you think Harry will be? He is and he isn't because I feel like, yeah, sure, if he can clunk one, great, but we, we still don't know with his set shot kicking. So if the confidence isn't there, don't get him, don't leave him deep as often as you leave. Char because Charlie Kern, I'll trust with my life on a set shot from 40 minutes. Yeah, that's right. That's that's the only reason why I say leave Charlie a little bit deeper. Bring Charlie out maybe 30% of the time, kicking into 50. But if we need a, if we need that that goal, which he actually had a moment against the dogs, 
Yeah, I think it was one that put us in front. Uh, where uh, it was the one prior to that, Walsh put us in front. But it was a goal that uh, that we needed from a key forward, from a big player, and it was Char- he was in Charlie Curnow's hands. And I knew before the ball hit his boot that it was going through the middle. And if that was Harry in that situation, I don't think any of us could say that. Agree. We're Agree. That's the only reason why I say just we know we've got Charlie as that weapon. If we need it, leave it for now. Leave it. I think we just I think we can all agree. I think we just want to see potentially more rotation. Yeah. With 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 the two. Um yep. just one more. One more. Um and it's and again a, a bundle of um questions. So Jim Maggio, thoughts on Voss and his presser. The guy looks like uh, sounds like a robot. Um uh, at Sosbras says Vossi isn't the issue. Something bad is going on mentally with this group. And that funny blue says, should, should the system change? Um, and in brackets, he says, Voss is not the problem. There was a tweet from Nick Graham and you can tell what you want about Nick Graham as a player. That's fine. I, I don't care. I'm not in that. Um, I'm not in that business, but he was, a, he, he played at the highest level. He played for this club. Now we, we last as a, as a fan base, spoke a lot about comments from people at our club around playing finals and whatnot. Why can't we spot spotlight a comment like this from Nick Graham, where he said something along the lines of um, this isn't a Voss issue. And that was the tweet. Now this is a player that's come from not just the AFL system, but has played for the club very recently. Um, Probably played with a few of these boys as well. Why can't we spotlight a comment like that and put some weight on it? Because for me, it speaks volumes in terms of what a player that's played at that level is seeing and a player that's played at that level in this environment is seeing from the sidelines. I don't know about you boys and Jules, you actually clarified today to your credit about your whole Voss stance and you actually don't want, you don't want to see him sacked. I know that for a fact. No, it's just, it's frustrating at the moment. And Voss is very, very easy to pinpoint because he's the head coach, but we do this as a fan base way too often. Way too often. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. We've sacked nine coaches in 20 years. We've played finals three times in that 20-year period. What makes you think sacking another coach is going to be the be-all, end-all for this group? Would you Would you sack Harry Mackay with how he's playing? Right? Would you sack him? No. Wouldn't sack Harry. Because he's he's set shot kicking's a bit wayward. Like Voss has had a year and a half. Not even. It's not even eighteen months yet in football terms, like in game terms, in season terms, in fixture terms. He hasn't even had a season and a half to this point. Let the guy see out his contract, man. As a fan base, get behind what he's trying to do with this club. Then you yeah. I agree. I, listen, you guys and, and everyone listening know which camp I'm, I'm lead more towards being players and coaches. Don't get me wrong. It is both. It definitely is both. It has to be. It's got to be the whole club in the end of the day that's accountable. But for me, I, I do sway more to the players being at fault and, and having to have been held more accountable. Where I do see Voss uh, lacking is... Certain game-related decisions and or lack of, okay? And I don't want to talk about previous games too much, but, you know, Ross Lyon, for example, made the call to get Wilkie on Cripper and then took him out of the game. Like, personally for me, I'd like to have seen Vosco Cripper 
get yourself out of the middle. Go play. Go rest forward. Go play forward more. Like even yesterday, even on um on yesterday, even yesterday, seeing Chera at half back for majority of the game. Yeah, Michael Chera, Michael Cheravolo did want us to speak about that a little bit. Sorry, mate. I, I did want to get to your comment. Go for it, Dan. No, seriously. Like it's things like that. Like I understand even having Doc in the middle, but I don't want to see Doc in the middle. I want to, you know, play him off half back. For me, that's where the issues lie with with Voss in in those type of selection and decision, Matt. Because again, like, and don't get me wrong, potentially having now two genuinely good wingers in Acres and Holland provide, and you know, you've got then a, a big list of you've got six, seven midfielders you're trying to fit in, it, and they're all good players. It's tough, but don't I don't want to see someone like Chero off half back. You know, I don't want what to else? see Doc in the middle. I want to see sometimes a game relate, you know, a mid-game making a decision, making a yeah. decision that can that can change a game, like Ross Lyon did with Wilkie. That's what I don't see from Voss. It's got nothing to do with system, nothing to do with any of that. It's just I just don't think sometimes he has that nous to go. This and this will 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 change up. Will be better for us. You know. Yeah, I feel like as even with Doc, he's been starting off half forward as well a lot um, in games. Um, he's particularly playing half forward, half back. He's sort of, you know, he's sw- sort of swinging the magnets around there. Even with Chera off half back, I think he only attended what three or four center bounces. Um, you know, well, we I had feel Kennedy like- there previously. Yeah. Like, why? You know, yeah. I think- I, there's some issues there. I just don't sort of, um, I don't agree. To be honest, um, I think it's interesting. I think Chera needs to needs to play predominantly uh, mid, maybe half forward, rotating with um, with Walsh. I feel like as if that would be a better better case scenario, particularly with his ball use going inside forward fifty. I think like that that'd be definitely the way to go. So, yeah, there's a few few issues there. I'll play devil's advocate just to wrap this this conversation up before we get into the votes. I think what he's trying to do is trying to just understand who can play what role in this group. Because like I said, it's only been a year and a bit right, that he's had these players. He's done it with Hewitt, where he played Hewitt for two weeks off half-back, and he didn't attend centre bounces. He's done it with Kennedy for two or three weeks, where he played off half-back, didn't attend centre bounces. Now he's done it with Chera, who's arguably arguably been our most consistent midfielder, which was a shock to see Chera off half-back. He played that role at Freo. I think it's I think it's just, I think at the moment, and then obviously, like you spoke about, Doc to half-forward, all these little magnet changes that we see across the course of the game or across week to week, that you can't fault him for trying things, is what I'm saying. I don't, I don't but, think you can fault him for throwing the magnets around. Are they the right moves at this point? He probably doesn't even know that until until he sees the results. And he's going to learn from it. I think the playing group's learning from it. We're all learning from what we're seeing. We know yeah, that Kennedy losing, didn't work. We know that Kennedy didn't work. And I doubt we'll see Kennedy back there again. We yeah, know Hewitt didn't work. I doubt we'll see him back there again. Chera probably could work, to be honest. But we don't want him there. We want him in the midfield. And maybe Voss will see that in the next few weeks. Who knows? But the point is, every, you know, Voss is inept. Voss doesn't throw the magnets around. Voss doesn't. He actually does. Whether you agree with what he's doing or not is a different story. Yeah. I, how much does this continue with throwing the magnets around with the likes of Kennedy, Chera, Doc, um, you know, and we're, we're not winning games. So there's no output. So I, I don't care if we're, you yeah. know, pushing magnets around and we're winning games. You know, even if the performances aren't there, but we're winning games. But he's doing it, and we don't—we're not even getting bang for our buck. Mm. That's fair, and that's, that's fair. Don't that's, that's, the issue. that's right. If you're you know, losing I'm games, if you've got an all-Australian defender in Doc, um, and he's 
an okay midfielder, but then you're pushing the likes of Chera off the halfback flank, and he's been playing well um, in the first part of the season as a midfielder, or even Kennedy. You know, I I just don't I don't see why you would try that. That's fair. I said to you, sorry, Joe. I said to you, I said we had Doc in the middle last year because we literally had no one else to put in there. Yeah, and now nice. we're playing, and now we're playing him there. Like that's for me. That's where the criticism lies with with Voss. Not that I want him sacked. Like again, again, he's not there when you've got a set shot out from twenty and he's missing. Like that's for me. You, you can clear as day. See, it's the players. Yeah, let's move on. Fair enough. All right, votes. Who's kicking off? Pretty similar this week. I'll kick off. Uh, I went Matt Kennedy for one. I thought uh, he backed up his last quarter against Brisbane very, very well. Uh, I think he was our second-best rated midfielder on the day behind Walsh, and you could see that he was probably the midfielder having most impact around clearances. I think he had eight clearances, Took the, he, he laid six tackles, had 27 touches, and he actually went at about 74% as well, so he didn't butcher the footy, which I was very, very pleased to see. Um, and I think for Matt Kennedy, that's his role. I think we've, we all agree now. We saw him off halfback. It's not going to work. Um, he's a midfield bull, and he, he needs to stay as a midfield bull. Gave Walsh the two votes. You, you boys have got him for three, but I gave Walsh two votes. Um, clearly our best midfielder on the day. I gave him two because he butchered the footy a little bit, um, and he can hide behind that because he he's so he's just silk with ball in hand usually. So the, the butchering game to game here and there, he can sort of hide behind. But... Felt that he actually hurt us a couple of times, especially with that set shot, which, you know, stands out like dog's balls when at the end of the day he nails that. We'll probably get on a little bit of a roll in the first half, um, but just contributed to the, that wayward kicking. But still, clearly, clearly our best midfielder on the day and deserved two votes. And then spoke about him before. I don't just, I don't need to speak about him too much more, but Matt Owies did exactly what we needed Matt Owies to do, plain and simple. He's, he's that player. He's that guy. He's that guy. He's, he's actually... He, he is actually our third forward. I don't think I don't think Silvani is. I think oh, he's the way that he positions himself, pressure he puts on on the footy at ground level and, and on the opposition at ground level. Um, clearly, three votes on on Saturday night for me. If you're watching live, leave your three, two, one in the comments as Dan and Jules roll through theirs as well. Um, I just feel like as if Doc won votes. I feel like as if he competed hard over the course of the night and allowed for other other players to, you know, sort of. Shine, I guess, um, through the midfield like Walsh. Um, always, I think, Joe, you sort of summed it up really, really well. Um, kick three, obviously, after being um, back into the side. Um, and then Walsh, I feel like as if, um, you know, his his game sums up itself, really. Goal from as a midfielder, um, a lot of clearances, um, a lot of movement, particularly sort of, um, you know, Brunts a lot of the movement and, and as particularly the defensive efforts compared to some of the other midfielders who um, don't really have that that movement or the body that allows them to be able to do that. Dan, you had Newey? Yeah. I had Newey. Um, it was a toss-up between – I actually really like Cotter's game, um, but it was a toss-up between Newey, Cotter's, and Kennedy. Um, but I went with Newey because uh, especially early on, when we needed, I think he was really putting his foot forward um, with ball in hand. He'd only turned the ball over twice for the whole game. I think he was defensively, he was solid as. I think he stepped in, he intercepted, he, he spoiled, his positioning was fantastic. I really, really liked his game. Um, 
And like I said, a big factor was that was obviously with ball in hand. I think he was looking to really penetrate and, hit and go the corridor um, or that smart kick that would get us out. Um, had always, obviously, you boys mentioned, uh, tough to not get three for me. But for me, I liked Walsh was the guy that looked to hit a target and go different with the way we went inside 50. And I think that's what actually got us going. Okay. Yep. Um, you obviously you said he butchered the ball, but I think that goal at the end was crucial as well. Yep. To, oh, to sure. really, it was massive. Um, Stood and to up. nail that, you know, you, you know, you talk about pressure for someone like Cripper, like Cripper didn't step up and kick his goal. Harry didn't step up, kick his goal. Motlop didn't, but while she did, I know he butchered one, but then when it mattered, he did. So that's why he's got my three. And I think that's a good point because he did butcher one early, but when he got a second bite of the cherry, he made sure it counted. And that's that's, that's the mark of a good player, man. This is what I'm saying. We've got good players on our list. It's a mark of a good player to be able to do that late in the game. So the votes as they stand for the 2023 MVP for the Almost Blues Brothers podcast is Newman slides into the top five with nine votes. Acres 11, Cripps still in third place on 13, Chera with 19, and Charlie on 24. All right, we're going OT tonight, big time. We're already at an hour. I feel like we covered that pretty well, but we've got a lot more to cover. And before we get into next week's preview for a big, 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 big game. Yeah. Livy's last word. Hey, it's Livy with Livy's last words. And this is what I thought about the game. Well, that was disappointing. Especially that first quarter and second quarter. Absolutely shit. How do you call that a game of football if in the first quarter we didn't score at one goal with a common medalist? That is that is just horrible. Our defense was crap. We can't be getting all these freaking turnovers. It has to stop. We have to fix our kicking. It has to stop. I really want Brendan Navola to come over to the club and teach him how to kick a freaking ball. Especially Harry Mackay. That's the one. Harry Mackay. We need to just get rid of Harry Mackay. He's good, but he just needs to freaking learn how to kick. He needs to go from the beginning and learn how to kick the ball. He was right in front of the goal and he actually had the audacity to freaking snap it. What the f- it was just absolutely shit. I mean, I don't know why they took off Ollie Hollands. I mean, Ed Kerner's good, but I'm so every game I'm so impressed in on how hard Ollie tries. Like he's just amazing for his first year. He tries so hard, but yeah, Walsh did good. You know, Cripper, he did good. He was alright, but I mean, the third quarter I was up jumping. I was out of my seat, you know. Honestly, I had faith in our boys. But that fourth quarter, the last freaking six minutes, you know, we had to stuff it up like we always do. We had to. We're all excited and then just bang. We lose it. But, you know, that's life. I know this year we'll be fighting for the top eight. I know at one of my podcasts, I said... We're going to make finals this year, but we're going to be fighting for it. Anyways, that's what I thought about this disappointing game. Go the Blues!
there, there, there are a couple of things there. The one of them was oh, I forgot my train of thought. But the second one was when she goes, anyway, that's life. <laughs> it is fair enough. Fair enough. You move on, and we've got to move on very, very quickly to this mob, the filth next week, and they are. I hate to say it, but they are flying. They are premiership favourites for a reason. They are eight and one for a reason. And this is the biggest test that we're going to have all season at the worst possible time for this football club, to be honest. But if there's anything about a Carlton Collingwood game, it doesn't matter where either team is on the ladder. doesn't matter, you know, the form. Throw it all out the window, man. Because if these boys, if our boys come this week with heart to beat this mob and do what we need them to do, not it's not even about four points this week. This is the, this is the thing. It's not. It's really not. I want to refresh everyone's memory before we get into this preview. We were inside the eight. We were inside the eight. For 22 rounds, three quarters of footy, and 29 minutes last year. <laughs> Don't, and don't these, agree. I wish I could say the word, but I can't. But these pricks, it couldn't be anyone else. It had to be them in round 23. Don't ever forget it. And I hope these, the, I hope our playing group doesn't forget it. They took us away from that. They, they took that away from us with a minute 30 to go. So Carlton-Collingwood rivalry usually has a bit of extra bite in it. I'm going to be ropeable next week. If we're doing this podcast and our boys don't show up, that's all I'm going to say. Show up. Ready for the fight from the first bounce. Show what you showed in that second half from the first minute of this game and take it to them. Just take it to them. I think we're going to need to because if we don't, they definitely will. So I think it's going to be a pretty hard-fought battle from, you know, from, from start to finish, particularly if we bring it. If we don't, then I think it could be a long, long day. Unfortunately, this is a this is a good, 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 uh, yeah, like a really good comment here from Luca, and it's something that Reese, who we've had on this podcast a lot of times, said in recent weeks. Collingwood were four and four last year going to this game when we played them, and they were in they they'd lost to the Eagles, like the COVID ridden Eagles, like three weeks prior. So they were in no sort of form coming into this game. And they beat us. They turned their season around. That's what these games can do. It can This this Collingwood-Carlton game can turn a season around. And this is – it comes at the worst time in terms of our form, but it probably comes at the best time to see what these boys are genuinely made of. Dan, anything to, anything to add on the emotional I'm side just, of things? Trying to stay very, very calm. Okay. But well, it's – I just honestly, to the playing group, if you're not going to bring this or you feel like you can't, omit yourself. I want to show a video. Otherwise, we're fucking wasting our time. You can't have any liabilities, boys. Not against this, not against this Collingwood side. Not against any Collingwood side. Not against any team. If you're a liability, don't even bother. Don't bother turning up. I'm, I'm over it. I want to show a video that has been that's been circling on Twitter today. Um, let me show the video first, and then we'll and then we'll, and we'll discuss. I always keep saying all oh, the beauty of soccer, beauty of soccer. For me, yeah, look, look at I mean, look at this. This is 
Is that the ultras talking to the team? No. Is this normal scenes that, that you normally see, the fans giving a message? What do you think they're saying right now? Uh, they're saying we traveled all this way and you guys probably didn't show heart, you didn't show a lot of things. And as a player, oftentimes you just need to accept it because they're your fans and they could turn against you. They're probably telling them, listen, forget about this. We still have everything to play for uh, coming up in the Champions League match. Um, but yeah, these are crazy scenes, the traveling Milan fans. They're, they're passionate about their club. I want to break this down real quick. All right, there's a few things here that I want to touch on. And Gavin Willen, he says he'll be driving to Albury from the Sunshine Coast. He might sit this one out because uh, he can't handle Collingwood games anymore. If you've got a ticket, rock up, Gavin, because that's what this playing group will need is us at this stage. Now, it's very, very easy. There's a lot of comments coming through. It's very, very, very easy to get super negative about your club, which we often do as a fan base. All I'm going to say is for this game, put the negativity aside this week. Put it, put your apprehensions aside for one week around how we're playing around our form and whatnot. As a supporter of this club, this is going to be 90,000 people if we rock up and it's our home game. This is a game that they need us in full voice for, which we spoke about at the start of this podcast, that we we actually didn't bring the energy. We didn't bring the voice on, on Saturday. Jules mentioned it uh, off the top. I'm not saying that it's going to be a soccer atmosphere. I'm not saying it's going to be an ultras atmosphere, but bring full voice and get behind them. Help them put their mistakes behind them. Don't berate them for it and boo or give Bronx cheers or whatnot. This is how I'm going to be going into this game because it's going to be, it, it's very easy for any of us to say, I'm not going this week because I don't want the heartbreak. Well, if you don't go this week, they've got an excuse not to rock up as well. Plain and simple. Dan. No, I agree with you. Uh, I, I, I don't, but I don't think, Joe, uh, I don't think that we've never not turned up for this side. We, yeah. you, know, you think about it. We, we, you know, we're out in numbers in, a, you know, in a hundred point losses to GWS. Like I think we're, but I do agree lately. You can see that everyone's, everyone's wearing thin with this, but, if we, we're always going to rally behind the team. We love the club. I love the club. You know, we've got 87,000 members off the back of not making finals since what 2013 or whatever it was. And that was fortunate circumstances as well. So it's not like as if we don't support the club. I feel like as if we don't receive um, the output the other way around, to be fair, to be quite honest. Um, I don't know if that's too harsh. Um, I don't think it is. Um, yeah, well, that's that's how that's I see. The I other like element. We'll, that's we'll the other element. Whether they want to bring it, that's you know the other I mean? element. That's the other element of that video that I'm happy to speak about. Is that you're right, Jules? Like these players haven't taken any accountability. The club hasn't taken enough accountability to this point from our how vocal we've been. True. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you something. Do you know what pissed me off? I'll tell you what pissed me off in the difference between that video and what we're seeing with our boys. I watched our captain laughing after the game of last week. I'd yeah, love for the playing group to stand right in front of us and I'll tell them what I think. And I'll tell them, listen, we're going to be there every week. You don't have to worry about us, but just, just fucking perform. But nah, yeah. I'm watching your captain laugh. Come on. And the, the, the thing is as well, you got to take into consideration that was, I'm pretty sure that was during the week of the Champions League, wasn't it? Yeah. In the Champions yeah. League. That's when that was that footage was taken. So you could just imagine they don't just have just put into perspective, just like fans on the line, etc. 
I'm talking millions of dollars and not just one or two million. I'm talking millions of dollars for the club, et cetera. So, you know, it's chalk and cheese in, in, in comparison, to be fair. Of course. And look what they're doing. Look how, look how they're acting. It's incredible. It's incredible. The only, the only, the only reason I implore our listeners and our fans to keep rocking up, especially for this week, is I feel like this is the first time for a long time that it's been on a bit of a knife's edge with our supporter base. And I'm not, I'm not, dis- I can see the comments coming through. I'm not discounting that we haven't been there. And Dan, I'm not discounting the fact that we haven't been there for the last eight years supporting these boys. I'm really not. I just feel like it's at a little bit of, a, it's on a bit of a knife's edge at the moment. That's all. That's all. And it, yeah. it, and I'm not I'm not forcing anyone to go. I'm not saying if you don't go, you're a bad person. Whatever. You, you do whatever you want. But if you go on Sunday, bring full voice for our boys. Galvanize this group against the Pies because they're going to need it. I have no doubt that we'll outnumber Collingwood fans on Sunday afternoon mm. at 3.20. There's no, for me, sure. Tanya, right now, there's no doubt about it in my mind. Okay, even after the circumstances which have taken place over the last month. Um, I just feel like as if, you know, you look at, say, Arsenal, for example, in the Premier League, what kind of atmosphere and environment they've created. That's off the back of all the hard work that the coaching staff and players have, have done. Then, then the supporters feed off it. You know, even when they were losing against Man City 3-1 um, away at the Etihad, you know what the Arsenal supporters are doing? They were cheering the whole game, all 90 minutes, because they knew that for the talent that they've sort of reached the output that potentially that they could they could achieve in the course of the season. They knew. Does that make sense? Carlton yeah. nowhere near it at the moment. Yeah, it's that's fair. the difference. That's the difference. We're sitting out the top eight where for me, I know we can say it on paper, et cetera, on talent, whatnot. Obviously it's the output, but we're we're more than this. I watched Collingwood before this podcast tonight take on the Giants today. The, I watched the third quarter when I got home from a weekend away. Um, one thing I will say is I think the reason that they are so, so good at the moment, and you've got to give them credit, they keep their structure, their width around contests especially, to a T. They don't get sucked into the contest. There's not 16 players around the ball. They just keep their structure across the park and it allows them to move the ball really, really quickly side to side. And they've got outlets everywhere. If, if they go, if they come to the right, the, the, the thin side on, on the wing, there's nothing there. They'll go straight to the fat side and see if they can create something. If there's nothing there, they come straight back inboard. They just keep moving the football. So I think for us, as what I want to see on Sunday and what I think is going to go a long way to beating them, and I'm talking about beating them because this is the mindset we should have. If we're going to beat these guys on Sunday... We need to make sure that we are structurally disciplined for four quarters. Make it a slog, man. Make it a dogfight. I don't care. Clog the defensive half so they can't move the football. I don't give a I don't give a fuck how we win this game. Do what you need to do to make it a scrap. Because if you want to go toe-to-toe with run and gun against the pies, we're going to lose by about 80 points. Go slow, go methodical, keep the ball out of their hands. Plain and simple. They're, they're a team that loves ball in their hand, man. They love it. And punish them on the scoreboard. Early. Yeah. I feel like as if we just – it's the the intent in which we do things. I feel like as if, if we apply pressure, we have in, intent and immense pressure around the ball, um, really bring it. I feel like as if it's, you know, it's ours if we really wanted to. Um, 
you know, obviously if it gets on the outside, then I feel like as if see you later, to be fair, obviously with their skill exactly. and poise. Exactly. Minimize turnovers and when we turn it over, don't turn it over in a in a in a an area where they can launch and punish, basically, is is what I'm saying. Ins and outs, all the same. Who wants to take it? I don't know. For me, it's pretty um, pretty easy. I feel like if our efficiency, particularly in the first half, wasn't up to it, I think Boyd brings that. Um, I think I think he will definitely help with our ball movement execution um, in between the arcs, especially, and even going inside forward 50. I know last year he had a good patch of about four, five, six games where he was genuinely bringing that. Um, so not only with his dash, but his, um, his foot skills on either side. So I'm actually looking forward to it. He's had some decent games, different hit, decent, decent hit outs over the last two, three weeks um, in the VFL by all reports. Um, so I'm eager to see him. And I think Sincott, unfortunately, is the player to miss out. Um, you know, I don't think he's been poor, but I feel like as if, again, we need someone with that full skills. I think Boyd's, Boyd's the guy. Well said. Do you, do you boys like Ed as the sub? Nah. No. No. I, like I think Sin Cotter can go to that spot for me this week. Yeah, potentially. I um... Run and gun. And, you know, I just inject him in, on, onto like... Into I wouldn't mind someone to, to be honest. I don't really want to have a, a player that hasn't debuted, like in terms of starting debuted. Um, to have that first appearance. But I think Bins should get a sniff soon. Um, I just don't think that's the right way to go, to be honest with you. But I feel like as if he'd be a good player to to have. Yeah, I don't think for this week. I think um, I think Sincotto can play the sub role this week. And in and, and late the game, he can give us a bit of run and carry if we need it, if we need to just go with the ball in hand. So agree with all that. All right, predictions before we move on to our final segment for the night. Oh, don't do it, Joe. No, nah, you got to do it. No. You got to do it. No. You got to do it. I'm not. I'm not going to do it. No, I, I want us to win, obviously. And I'm not saying what I feel. So I'm not doing my prediction. Fuck it. Jules. We got to win. Jules. I predict that we need to win. <laughs> you guys are weak. I'm going to put myself on the line knowing that I'm going to get hurt. Like I said at the top, it doesn't matter about form in these games, man. We ruined their 150th birthday whenever it was a few weeks back, and we were nowhere at that stage. Like, we think we're nowhere now. We were nowhere the, back then. The thing is, I don't doubt that we can't do it. That's the issue. I know Agreed. we can. Like, Agreed. it's just, it, I know it's in us, but I just don't see it happening, you know? I don't like, want to predict it, Joe. I, I, I want us to I win. I want us to win. How's this? Now, what do you want to say? I'm putting them both on mute. Watch this. Can't speak. Can't speak. If you don't, if you don't want to predict, fuck is. I'm gonna, I'm gonna predict. I'm gonna, put my, I'm gonna put myself on the line. We are winning this Bob, game. Bob already predicted. Oh, predicts. I said mute. We are winning this game, and we are winning this game by one point. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's where I'm at. That's how confident I am. At least, I, at least I put it out there. All right. Uh, to finish off, Dan. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Money, money, It's actually one of the best little stings on a podcast that I've ever put together. We got the multi man, and he's putting it now. Dan, it's a bit. It's 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 been a bit. Sorry, Jules, I'm covering your face again when we do this, but it's been a little bit for you with this segment because we moved to Sundays. You don't get the Carlton markets. You like to do the Carlton same game, so you're gonna have to do head to heads every week. It is what it is. 
I don't like it. So what we'll do is we'll put up a carton one because me and you generally, we bet on the game, Joe. Well, no, I, I haven't been lately, <laughs> to well, be honest. I don't, well, I don't like to. getting hurt twice, to be honest. We're going to. Anyway, so I'll post the carton multi in there. Um, but I've got I've done a little head-to-header here uh, with Port, Sydney, Geelong, Brisbane, and the Tigers all head-to-head. It, I'll be honest, the Port Adelaide one didn't give me, but I would do like a pick-your-own-line and just bump their line up to like 30 points or something. It was still paid decent and chuck it in there instead same, of head-to-head. Same plus 30 to Melbourne. Uh, no, Port Adelaide. Plus 30 to Port. Sorry. Plus 30 yeah. to Port, yeah. 30-point hit start. Okay. I don't mind it. $9.09 power play. You want to win money, put a lot on it. No, if you want to keep your money, keep it in your pocket because these don't get up. They do. <laughs> they really get up. Now too. Hey, Clarence, Clarence, your only supporter of this segment, he's not even here tonight. He missed it. He missed <laughs> the win concerned. against Anzac Day. He missed Again, it. Gamble responsibly, people, please. Boys, I want to say. So we don't get sued. I just want to say, well done for keeping your composure tonight. Well done. Just some quick live listener feedback if you want to give it. Were we any good tonight? Gav says Clarence is now homeless. No, look, it was a good night tonight. I appreciate being able to bring this podcast back from the emotional wreck that we left it in last week. For all the listeners that are tuning in on a Monday morning or whenever you are later in the week. I hope you've enjoyed And for everyone that's watched live tonight, thank you for joining us as you do every week. We really do appreciate it. It's a big week coming up in footy, man, for a, for a Carlton supporter. Get behind this club. Get behind these boys just for one more week before you throw the towel in. That's all I'm asking. That's all we're asking. That's all the club is going to ask of you. And then after that, do whatever you want. But until next week, up the fucking Carlton.